This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. You're listening to Hear Us Say with Renisha on Otago Access Radio at 105.4 FM Dunedin. Kia ora koutou, Nisa Mulavanaka, Ram Ram everybody. Welcome to another episode of Hear Us Say with myself, Renisha. Um, it's been a while. I hope you're all doing well. Um, while the recording is happening, we're still under lockdown. So this is done again via Zoom. So for any tef- uh, technical difficulties, please I beg your pardon. Um, I hope you're all doing well other than that, keeping safe, staying warm. Um, so for today's episode, I have the very amazing... Um, with a very amazing Kai Small, all the way from Wellington. Kai, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, well, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm Kai. I'm originally from uh, Barbados, but I was raised in Kaitaia. Um, and yeah, I've been living in Wellington for the last, I think, six or seven years now. Um, I am the co-founder of the SESO Project and... Yeah, it's a digital journaling, uh, journaling uh, platform. I'm the co-founder of Unpack Podcast. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm sort of a sort of all over these sort of creative projects. So um, it's it's great to be here, Anisha. Thank you for this, for the introduction, Kai. Um, I remember us meeting briefly um, during the New Zealand Youth Awards, and um, you you mentioned about your you being the youth MP, and then you know it was something that I was interested in at that time. So you kind of mentored me into that as well. So I know you from 2018, 19 ish. So it's been it's been great to see you come into the creative industry and do your own kind of thing there as well. So yeah, it's been it's been quite nice to see you grow as well um so we'll get right into the questions so right before the episode when we started um recording Kai and I kind of went through some of the questions unfortunately because it's via um, zoom if it's normally in person it's random cards in general um so the first question I have here on the personal level is how do you um describe your values and beliefs Kai? Well, I would, I would, I would describe my sort of values and beliefs um, in a very personal, personal way. Um, I like to have direction in life, and I, I, I believe that my values um, direct me in the best possible way. Yeah. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm still quite spiritual, um, as I was when I was a kid, so I still have spiritual beliefs um, inside. But like, yeah, the, the values that I keep, you know, I'm, I'm all about, you know, equity and equality and, and understanding of good communication. Um, but also understanding like to a kind of Um, yeah. and uh, you know, as, as, as you said in the introduction, um, how we met in 2018, um, you know, you, you were going through the youth parliament journey. I also want to say, I was going to interrupt you, but I didn't want to interrupt you over Zoom. You've also grown uh, and done some <laughs> amazing, amazing things, um, <laughs> since then. And, and, you know, one of those, um, you know, I, I'm seeing all over my LinkedIn and I'm, I'm seeing you, your face all over Facebook, you know. Um, so the work that you've done is incredible. Um, and, you know, that that really aligns with my values of I'm glad that I could be a part of your journey no matter how short it was. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you for that. That was unexpected. <laughs> I don't do well with um, compliments or the, just the reality. But thank you so much. Um, I think it's it's always it's always nice to hear from um, your peers who are also in the um and the advocacy kind of um, sector as well as, um, you know, who like to raise awareness, who like to bridge the gap of um, young people being on the decision-making tables, um, encouraging you and supporting you. So thank you for saying that. Um, uh, let's just stick to the question because I'm going to get overwhelmed otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one of the sub-questions within the that question is what are, what are things you're particularly passionate about? I think you've briefly answered it, but let's, Let's go a little bit more deeper. Um, I think I can probably give you two straight off the bat. The first one is, um, yeah, giving a platform to those who probably wouldn't have a voice otherwise. Um, you know, I think in the in this day and age, we're so overloaded with um, stories and narratives from people who already have platforms, who already have yeah. um, talking points, um, who sort of already have power of the narrative. And I think it's really important to just remember the details. Um, so yeah, you know the the say and the devils and the details. I, you know, I'm 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 really trying to be devil's advocate in that case. You know, I really want to be able to, um, you know, showcase and 
and put people's stories on a platform where they can be heard properly. Um, and then I guess my, my second passion is just creating, um, you know, I, I love, I love poetry. I love, um, you know, podcasts, <laughs> you know, I'm, 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 I'm absolutely in love with words and how they paint pictures and how people articulate um, and illustrate at the same time. So um, that's definitely one of my passions as well. Just creating. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we see you in both, both kind of passions every now and then when you're empowering other young people um, as well, especially for those who don't really get a platform or, um, you know, or struggle to get there with wherever they want to. Um, you've always kind of been like a mentor while not, being apparently a mentor um, to these guys, as well as like creating your own goods um, over the years. And you've been quite consistent with them. Um, so, yeah, that's that's been amazing to see. Um, another question in that same category is what things make you angry? Wow. Um, <laughs> dang, that's that's a great question, actually. That, that kind of threw me off. I, I do. I just really get angry. Um <laughs> I, I feel like I get dis I get disappointed. I get disappointed. Um and, and sadly I think mostly I get disappointed in myself. Um but I think that also becomes I I I don't really have an expectations of others to keep me happy. Um so yeah, I, I put a lot of reliance on myself. But um if we're gonna talk about yeah, I guess like what makes me disappointed, um it is seeing something wasted. Uh, whether that is the potential of somebody, whether that is plastic, um, you know, whether that is somebody um, driving from Wellington to Auckland on a four-wheel drive diesel ute and just yeah. never turning off the engine, you know, like the, the, those sort of things just make me disappointed of people not using things efficiently um, and utilizing their own abilities efficiently. Right. Yes. Yeah. That's that's very true. Um, personally, for me, I think one thing that makes me extremely, extremely um mad, um, and I'm someone who doesn't get mad really easily. It's it's really hard to get on my nerves. You can irritate me, but you can't get me mad. And um, one thing, but that does make me mad is are people who have um very strong opinion um without no reason, without any reason at all. And you know, when you ask them, okay, I understand you have that opinion, but why do you have that opinion? They go like oh because I just have it and I'm like you don't realize your opinion is stopping some sort of growth for the other person or for a culture or for a community um so that really gets on my nerves and um I rather you know get out of that space before I say something that's not really nice so yeah that kind of gets me mad or really heated up um but let's let's tap into the last sub question on there um, what values or beliefs do you think sit underneath this passion or um, anger? Oh, um. I can start if you like. I think for for me, it would be uh, making sure that I create a platform or I have enough space on my platform. So people who are shut down by extreme um, opinions from the other side, they get to have their space. So currently with my work, what I'm doing is I'm working on a documentary series where we're producing 12 um, episodes, raw stories of young people who who would get um, isolated either by the system because like, oh, your story is going to bring us shame um, to our school or our um, family, something like that. You know, they have the full control over their stories, how they were narrated. And um, be it um, vid through video, through podcasts, um, through just audio, telling their story, the real stuff. Um, and we are creating a resource out of it so we can take it back to the community and say, you know, you are saying this, but this is what's exactly happening. How 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 do you want us to move forward if um, if we don't bridge the gap over here? So that's one thing that I like to see is like providing space and platform for people who are shut down by either the system or their own um, loved ones. Wow, that I mean, first of all, that's a that's a very good answer, um, and and I, I gotta I gotta play onto that as well because you know as I said one of my one of my values is and and, and sort of passions is um yeah giving people the platform, yeah. um and yeah I I guess you know I I really resonated with what you said of um, understanding that some people see that sharing their story will bring shame to their fauna or their social circle. Um, and and it's it's something in which I think is a very old way of thinking, um, especially in the in the age as I said with like social media and um, yeah. you know people's people's stories being flooded, um, and, and I'll, I'll use myself on a personal level as well. You know I got really 
disappointed and I guess I, I guess I would say angry um, at people when they sort of ask you know why why would you put such personal stuff out you know publish such personal things um, in your writing and things like that and I'm you know I think people have to remember that someone wrote the Bible yeah. in BC like people were writing about their feelings for a minute um, and only then was that able to change the world um, so why should I, you know, why, why would you hold anything back? And I think it's, it's tough when I see, you know, that barrier be other people in a community. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. That's, that's definitely something that grinds my gears as I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's quite, quite interesting at the same time. Um, very important to highlight. I think we do end up having this, um, I'd say I, and you know, I say it while I think that every single person that exists out there has some level of toxic toxin traits in them because, you know, we all have good values and we have flaws as well. But that's one thing that I always consider toxic is when you don't have the space or when you don't want another person to have the space to open up about their feelings, to actually um, lay it out of like how they have been, how they have, um, how they have been throughout their journey because at the end of the day what that does is it isolates them and isolation is something that I've been through because of the cyberbullying that I experienced in high school and I wouldn't push that upon anyone. Um, it was a stage where I knew that I couldn't open up to my parents as well because that would mean that um, they looked down at me because um, I wasn't able to handle myself in school, that kind of notation. While it wasn't true, like when I told my parents, they're like, what, this happened to you? How, how, who did this? I know that was, but it's just that it, it is in your head or people put it to you that if you react to a certain thing in a certain way, you will be considered weak um, or is it, or it's bad. So that, yeah, that kind of always gets me in the go as well. I really, really resonate with what you said. Um, let's move on to the second question on the personal level, um, which is how important do you think it is to pronounce names correctly? Um, I'll get right into the sub question because this is a big one. What power do you think there is in a person's name? Um, <laughs> I think uh, I think a person's name is all they really have. Sorry, to, <laughs> sorry to get into that kind of level. Um, a person's name is really their yeah. only possession. Um, yeah. and it's, it's their first and last name as, um, I wrote about in 2019, you know, all of your possessions are going to, are going to leave you at some stage. Um, and, and the sooner you come to terms with that, the better, but also the sooner that you understand that it's really important, your name and your namesake and what it means to you, um, as well as like what you want that mean, name to mean to other people. Yeah. And so it's, a, it's the first step. It's step zero. Um, and, and putting value to that and understanding value to that is having your name pronounced correctly, having your name said correctly, um, because then, you know, step one is, okay, well, you know, sentences in which people talk about it. How do people hold my position? How do people hold my name? Um, you know, and I, and I always remember, um, you know, what, so, so my, my middle name is Winston. Um, and in 20, 16 um i was with i was the youth mp for winston peters and every time i said you know my name was also winston yeah you know the the room would kind of stop and that was that was the level of power that winston had was that his name in new zealand means something totally different um and and, you know in urban and rural environments and and that's the that's the power his name has um and because it's so european obviously it's going to be pronounced correctly but um you know i i I really opened my eyes to that and then and then sort of broke it down into yeah well it's very important that you know people pronounce my name correctly as well um on a personal level because it's also about how you feel about yourself you know adding value to yourself okay yep wow yeah I think I never thought it from that narrative to be honest like I've always thought that on a personal level a name would mean so much to an individual but I've never seen it like that play out how other people or once your name is I guess well known or is in the community how or what weight your name would carry so thank you for bringing that narrative um, to the table and um, for me it's always been um quite personal or very spiritual to make sure that my name is corrected because I disconnect with the community real quick if they don't get my name right. Um, 
and I've done this on my emails as well. If um, if organizations that would like to collaborate don't get my name right, um, I don't think it's that hard. I just don't reply to them um, and I don't build that capacity to work with them. It's just um, overwhelming for me to see that um, it gets really, really complicated to just copy and paste the name from um, online. <laughs> um, <laughs> but my name is quite, I, th- I think it's quite beautiful when I break, break it down. Um, Ranisha means queen of the night. And then um, Shivagni means um, goddess. And then um, Chanda means the moon. So each name, each one of my name has quite significant meaning. Um, goddess, uh, um, queen of the night, um, correlates with my skin color. And my parents always wanted to celebrate that. And I believe that's one of the reasons why they named me that. Um, so whenever I go to a space and my name is um, pronounced wrong, I very quickly um, isolate myself in that environment and, like, what um how hard was that so yeah yeah for me name has been very spiritual um for any connections that i make if it's if my name is not um taken seriously from the beginning i don't just bother to engage with those communities um if that makes sense i think it can sound a little bit ignorant at times but there's only so much that you can fight there's only so much that you can keep on correcting so yeah so that's kind of my um perspective and I think it's extremely important um, to pronounce name correctly um I think another question again what pronouncing name correctly is um have you had a moment in your life when you had a situation pronouncing someone else's name correctly wrong or like did you have difficulties pronouncing someone else's name wrong and how did you handle that situation absolutely um you know, more, more, more times than often, I'd, I'd say, um, a lot of, and I, and, and I don't want to call out anybody either, but like a lot of people from an ethnic background also have trouble pronouncing other people's names. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it's something in which I think white people get a lot of slack for, but like, like, like we do it too. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I remember I did it on a, I did it in a public forum one time I was emceeing something and I, um, I had pronounced somebody's name wrong um and and they corrected me when they got up there um but you know i just you you, you gotta apologize first of all because you understand you know what that what that means um but understand also that like it is a common mistake people people never really ask how to pronounce it before they go forth um and that's just that's honestly between you and you because you have to be ready to put your pride aside and say, Hey, actually, I don't want to butcher this. I, I, I really want to respect you in this space. Um, how do I pronounce this? And so that's something that I've learned from pronouncing people's names wrong. Um, in the, in the past and yeah, moving forward, just, just having that open level of communication and saying, how do I pronounce this? How do you actually also want to be introduced or referred to? Um, also with, you know, what are your pronouns and and what are some things that are going to make you feel safe in this space and also valued in this space? Yeah, yeah, that's so true. And just to highlight, while we were recording, I didn't really get your name, so I had to stop the recording and, you know, make sure that I'm pronouncing your name correctly. So I, again, back up the fact that we all at times get, you know, names wrong. I am, I believe I am from an ethnic community, but there has been a lot of times when I, when I have been um, in public spaces when I wanted to say something differently and came out differently because you know your head was not in the right space but again it is so important because you know how it feels to go through that um you know not feeling included in a space it's really important to apologize or just make that initial effort um to make sure you go talk to this person um, and make sure you're getting their name right when you do um, mention them so yeah that has that is something like or how i deal with i'm pronouncing them correctly and again i have i mispronounced a lot of people's names um, but I think I've always made that effort um, to go and have a chat with them afterwards or before work. Um, so let's move on to the interpersonal level. We're already um, 22 minutes. Oh, not 22. Okay, I forgot Matt's. <laughs> <laughs> We're already um, 15 minutes into the show, so that's great. Um, so interpersonal level, the questions I have here is, I think we'll start with a very light one. Um, is how do you define banter? And then within banter, the sub question is how do you define teasing? Um, well, huh, so banter, 
banter is just like light conversation or light jested conversation. Um, yeah. I, I I think it's for the most part it is harmless. Yeah. Um, but people sort of call anything banter now, which is a little bit uh dangerous. But um, to to directly answer your question, I would probably just define banter as light, energetic conversation between you know uh, people in a social setting. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, social. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, again, same. I think when I hear the word banter, I don't think I've ever used the word banter. I always use jokes, and um, I guess um, oh, that was hilarious. I kind of I've never used the word banter a lot, I believe. Um, but when I look at how do you define teasing, I think it's again like making a Mickey out of your friends or something like that in a very in a very safe environment. And if you do go to jokes, um, when when you know things are going to start to get out of the hands, I think those kind of jokes happens in a more closer setting. So whenever, um, you know, whenever someone says something that's not meant to be said, and it normally comes out of my own friends, my close friends who feel comfortable to make that joke um, in my closest circle. That doesn't really happen um, when they're with other people. So I don't know if that makes sense, but I think the more closer your group gets, the more extreme the banter at times um, gets. So I think that's how I kind of look at teasing is like, what's the extent um, in what setting? Um, and then what um, backgrounds as well, because what's funny in one culture um, may, may be interpreted completely different in another culture. And I'd say this because there are a lot of jokes um, within the Fijian Indian community that are quite racist. Um, but when you, when you say them, in the in the language you wouldn't realize that unless you translate it so that's how um i've gotten to start picking up and make sure that if you translate it in a mainstream setting it will make sense otherwise you're going to be looked down or just don't make those jokes at all and i've started to pick up on this annotation and my dad at times goes like whoa i didn't realize that was how it was meant to be so we have had that conversation where banter um is either interpreted in a very bad way um, because of the teasing that gets to extreme or in a good way when we have a lighthearted um, conversation. I think it, it depends on the situation and what is being said. Um, yeah, I don't think there's much to um, that question, but do you want to define um, bullying and harassment and like that comes with Bantayus? Um, yeah, sure. And I'll, I'll segue as well from, you know, your point. I think you're absolutely right that, you know, there's, there's some things that are, um, yeah, banterous, um, that can be offensive to other people. And I think it's, yeah, it's really important to understand that once you're in a social circle with other people, you know, you start to get personalized with your conversations and you can be a little more, a bit more relaxed. Um, you know, for, for example, in my social circle, you know, we take assumptions, um, you know, we, we know everybody's, um, pronouns we know everybody's uh you know occupation we know their partners and so we we end up joking and and sort of having banter around um different conversations that can include those personal details um and you know someone else may come into the circle and may be actually insecure about those sort of things um and so on a lighter level, that could be something. But then on another level, you know, you have somebody from a different culture um, who who may not like to joke about family um, or who may not like to joke about money um, and, and, and might find some things offensive. Um, and, and when you get to, you know, uh, other conversations being sort of racist, it, it is a, you know, there's a line there. I've always said that you don't have to... <laughs> You don't have to offend people to be funny. Yeah. Um, if you if you have to make fun of someone else to be funny, that's like what like, you know, like what are you what are you doing? Like, yeah. you, <laughs> you know, yeah. if if, if you're gonna laugh at somebody, it's not that funny. So yeah, yeah, sure, true that. And especially knowing that that some person that somebody would go home and oh, you wouldn't know their reaction. Doesn't say anything anything like that um i think that kind of ties into our next question which is what is the line between funny and offensive um and i think i think one of the question one of the sub question asks is like what do you enjoy when you talk about humor or what comes into your mind when you talk about humor damn um what a question well i'll i'll start off with what comes into my mind when i think about humor and then i'll talk about what's yeah. what's funny and offensive the line between it humor for me is context 
it is massively based on context. I think um, I'm a I'm a very visual person, and yeah. even in the way that I tell stories and in the way I speak. I need to set a scene. I need to give you the setting. I need to give you the characters in the room. I need, you know, you need to know what time of day it is, that sort of thing. Because I feel like, you know, the, there is, there is a joke in the punchline, but there's an even harder laugh in the setup. Um, what? And, and, and so I think, I think humor is, is so much in how people tell stories and, um, you know, how people perceive context. Um, you know, for example, something might just happen. When you're when you're all at university or something and you you all just bust out laughing, um, but when you when you laugh of that you know it's it's you have to sort of wonder if we were in a different context let's say if we were in a bar or a pub or something would we have been laughing, um, and it's it's all about the scene that you set, right. um, and that kind that kind of goes into um, you know what what is funny and offensive, um, I think context is very important, yeah. um, you know and and. I don't, I don't, I don't really want to use an example. I want to really speak in a, in a general sense, but there are some things in which people can find funny and, and, and do joke about, um, yeah. and may make other people feel uncomfortable. And yeah. I think, I think that's fine. I, I, you know, I, I find, I find comfort in being uncomfortable because it shows that I care. Um, but when it starts actually <laughs> going against someone else's human rights, um, you know, actually making people feel unsafe or uneasy, um, yeah. you know, then a conversation actually has to be had of, okay, well, is your enjoyment at the detriment of someone else's, um, you know, safety or even like feel of being? Yeah. Um, and then, and that's really the line for me. I, I, I never, I never want to joke about, um, something that could, could potentially harm someone else. Right. Okay. So that you think you draw the line between funny and offensive at that point. Yep. Right. Okay. That's interesting. I think for me, it's quite simple. Um, you know, and especially because um, because my first language is Fiji Hindi, and I speak Hindi, and then I speak English. So most of my jokes or most of my um, um, I guess like banter has been within my community and within the people that I'm comfortable with. Um, but even with them, I and you know this is something that we say it in Hindi, Fiji Hindi is that so that kind of a thing. It's basically saying that if you won't say something to someone's face, don't say it behind their back. Mm. that kind of a thing and I guess it, it kind of ties but at the same time it also means that sometimes people are hurtful even in front of um the person that they are making joke or um commenting on and um, but that's the basic idea is that if you if you know that your words are going to hurt somebody um don't don't start that conversation initially and if you're doing that it's not a reflection of the other person but of yourself um and I think a lot of the time that has stopped me from saying something that I shouldn't be saying Another saying that we have is that, um, you know, um, if you don't have anything constructive, positive, or um, nice to say, don't say it at all. Um, so, again, that's the idea of, like, you know, criticism is good. If your joke is going to criticize someone for the betterment and um, and it's in a setting where they know you, you know them, that is fine. You know, I criticize my friends all the time, but I wouldn't make the criticism to someone that I'm not well familiar with or I shouldn't be making an assumption about. Um, same with, um, you know, nice or good things, like make sure like there's, it doesn't hurt to be kind or nice to someone else. Um, and also this is not just for someone who's making the jokes. If you are in the setting and someone else has said something to this other person in the room, make sure you're standing up for them. If you have the um, understanding of what they said was not the most um, nicest thing or, um, credit, credit, I guess, um, good criticism as well so that's 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 eventually how i draw the line between being funny and offensive at the end of the day and see how like that plays out in real life setting i think we at times like to talk about a lot of things that we will do this we will do that but it's really really important for us to put ourselves into like those environments where we are day-to-day -day, where we make and make sure that we just we're being mindful and you know a lot of the times um when i end up being the um how do I say when somebody spoils something? Um, like someone, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't, I can't remember the actual word, but sorry, continue. 
yeah yeah so i i end up being that person at times and they're like oh you can't even take a joke or like um come on it's it's we're just having a joke it's nothing like that serious um and that that um irritates me and then the conversation or joke turns into a totally different thing where we are now arguing whether that joke was reasonable than having a joke so i think when you start calling out those things at times you can get a little bit of um backlash as well calling yourself like a boomer or something i don't know if that's the word i don't know if that's a good word to use as well um but i don't know yeah so that's my perspective on what's the line between funny and offensive um the last question that i have in the um racial stereotype or oh, in the interpersonal level is what are the racial stereotypes that you're aware of um man how much time do i have uh have a lot of time we have about <laughs> i'd say 25 minutes on the show no i won't i won't uh, i won't take all of that but um <laughs> you know i i mean i've lived through racial stereotypes my entire life um and you know i've been very conscious of them just because they've affected my mm. growth um mm. and, and and sort of uh how i felt safe um so I, I'm, I'm, I'm aware of them and, and, you know, to go through a few that probably aren't talked about a lot. Um, I, I, th- I think people are always of the fact that, oh, ethnic people are lazy. Um, that's definitely something that's, that's been stated quite a few times. Yeah. Um, and, and things like that don't really affect me anymore, but it's, it's, it's all about, um, uh, you know, as I've said, the context and when you hear things and when you discover stereotypes, um, you know, a black, black, people um and black men for instance are sexualized at a young age um and so are so are young women mm-hmm. um and i you know I, I won't get too much into that but like that really affects in how you know we see things and, and the stereotypes of how what people put us in what boxes people put us in um you know, another is being aggressive. Um, you know, I always, I always hear from people that, you know, I, I didn't think you liked me. Um, or, you know, I, I actually didn't think that, um, you know, you were, you were nice. I thought that you were going to be, you know, a little bit more aggressive. Um, yeah. you know, when I first met and, I, and, you know, they, they don't really understand that that is a stereotype that they're playing into. Yeah. Um, and they, and they, they need to address it. Um, because not everybody is aggressive. Not everybody is angry. Um, and you know those stereotypes really just come from not just how we're portrayed in the media, but um, how we've been forced to portray ourselves, um, you know, to survive in such a colonial world. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. I think um, for me personally, because um, I have um, Indian government ancestry as well as I've lived in the Pacific Islands, so Fiji for a while in my life. I um, mean, I attend a lot of Pacific um, events. Um, and to some point, you know, it is always an assumption that we are the loud ones in the room, um, that we, if, like, when we come, we bring trouble. I mean, especially with some of the notations happening with South Auckland, you know, um, South Auckland is always, this is not exactly racial, but it, it, it's quite reflective of the different um, different narratives that people have of different uh, communities. Um, with South Auckland, um, the notation of being loud, being um, troublemakers, is always highlighted if something bad happens in South Auckland. But as soon as like anything good happens, like um, one of the um, one of the music producers um, got to work with Jason Derulo, if I'm not wrong. So that was um, labeled as Auckland teenager. Um, no longer that notation of South Auckland um, you know, South Auckland youngster got the opportunity. So the narrative changes. If it's something good, then the whole Auckland gets credit for it. But if it's something bad, then you have um, a certain name to it, South Auckland, because that's where the um, Pacific and the Fijian Indian communities live. And that's the troublesome um, part of um, the North Island region, I believe. And I think to some point I've heard of the similar things with Porirua, um of Wellington, like, you know, the troublemakers and blah, blah, blah. So that that is one thing that I've been quite familiar with. Um, another racial stereotype that I had to deal with or I have been dealing with for a while is that um, because I have brown skin, a lot of the time, especially in the Dunedin community, because it's a very a mainstream, or shall I say, white space, I get called out for having brown skin um, that it's quite exotic it's really nice to look at um or i want to have your skin tone or um you're really hot for a brown girl that kind of notation has um 
always been there um, for me. And I don't believe like ever in my whole entire life, I have um, thought about myself going through that um, because for us, it's normal to have brown skin and brown skin is something that we have been penalized to have. Um, if I, like I said, my parents um, wanted to celebrate my dark skin and that's why they named me Renisha. Um, but overall in the community, that's not the that's not how brown skin or dark skin is taken as it's a it's a, it's I guess it's shameful to have brown skin or dark skin is because um the apparently the go to skin should be the white skin so um you know there's been like two different kind of racial stereotypes that I've had to go through is one I'm being penalized for having dark skin um and on the other side feeling scared for my security because um sometimes when I work, walk down the streets you know um some trucks would like beep at me and say nice you know blah 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 um and that has always made me scared is that what if this is not in the daytime what if I'm walking home at night kind of thing so um two sides of the same like same concept that I have had to go through and I think people don't realize how uncomfortable it can make you feel um so these are the racial stereotypes that I don't have necessarily been just aware of, but have went through myself. So it's 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 hard hitting at the same time. It's quite scary um, for me personally. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I I can I can totally resonate with some of that. Obviously, I'm I'm not a young woman, but you know, I can I can resonate with the the, the parts of you know you got you got to sort of learn that black is beautiful. Um, and even though that does take a while to to sort of understand, um, you know, I think you're well on the way there, anyways. So, Carpi, I know it's difficult, um, yeah. but you know, you you're doing well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, out of that energy now. Um, let's get into our societal level, and um, I think this is where I'm the most always interested in is because um, when we talk about personal opinions and our values, they kind of shape the way we will communicate with um, another person to so have that interpersonal conversation. And how this interpersonal conversation play out on a societal level is, you know, so that's the basic idea of the three levels of cards that we look into. Um, and my favorite level, while, you know, personal level is kind of like um, ground hitting. I think the, I'm always interested in the bigger picture. So let's hit the um, the um, societal level now. And let's start with a really nice question is, what kind of person do you want to be? What are the good things about you that we should celebrate or we can celebrate? Wow, okay. Um, Don't be humble, brag. <laughs> um, Okay, well, I, I think first of all, the you know the things that I want to be, um, I feel like I'm 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 already becoming in, in the sense, um, and you know, and I'll start with I I, I want it to be flawed, um, I want to be able to understand, you know, failures, um, yeah. and also understand the fact that we all make mistakes, um, and and I want to be able to learn from those. Yeah. Um, but also I want to be a, yeah, I've, I've always wanted to be more confident. Um, I've always wanted to be more articulate. Um, yeah. the person that I've wanted to be was, you know, not the loudest in the room, but in, instead when, when you speak, people listen. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, that, 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 that's who I want to be. I'm, I'm really interested to hear your answer though. <laughs> Lol. <laughs> um, I, I don't, I personally don't know if there's anything good to celebrate. Um, not because, you know, I'm being, I'm being like very humble right now. It's because I am someone who likes to, like I said, always look at the bigger picture. While I may have achieved a little bit of milestones here and there, you know, um, forced marriage. And I think this is something that I would always celebrate, but always be worried about at the same time is that, um, forced marriage law in New Zealand, um, was meant to be implemented as a bill of its own. And we, as Shakti Youth, Shakti Community Council actually launched it in 2010 as an individual bill, but that came out in 2018 as one sentence changed in the Marriage Act, which said that now the permission from family has went to um, family court judge um, in order to give consent to a minor, which is considered 17 years under the age, to get married. Um, and this is, forced marriage is a huge issue in the ethnic communities. Um, so for me, like just knowing that while the change is possible, but on a, such a small scale, um, after such long hard work, 
um, is something that I always celebrate that the forced marriage law um, and the amendment came out at least, but it came out after a long time. Just imagine the number of girls that um, would have been forced to marriage during that period of time from the point that we knew that forced marriage exists to the point that um, we had a little amendment done. So for me, I always celebrate that, that Finally, there's something to look at too. Finally, the system is aware of an issue like that. But the change that what happened or the change that was made, I don't think so was good enough because we're still leaving out our girls that are taken outside of the country and you know forced to marry on overseas countries. We're also live, leaving behind the women that already have been through um, systematic oppression and forced marriage. They don't have any sort of support. They have the bare minimum that um, MSD gives them but what on top of that because forced marriage when you look at it when you unpack it it's just not an issue on its own it leads to violence domestic violence physical violence all of that and then on top of that at times and most of the times it builds onto rape and from rape you build onto unwanted pregnancy so there's this system of um, dependency that's been created and while you know while some of the structures um that we have in place is there to protect i don't think so it's culturally competent enough so while sorry i got into another whole situation over here but yeah so while the amendment came and it was a good thing to celebrate for me personally i think we have a long way to go um and that is why when good things come out while i celebrate them i um look at the bigger picture and say why wasn't the other part also being granted or being done, what can be done? So it's always about, for me, it's always about what's next, what's next, what's there to come, what's there to work on. Um, so I think that kind of restricts me from completely being satisfied with things, but I think it's a good attribute you have. Um, okay. So well, I'm a, I'm a, sorry, I'm gonna cut you off there as well because, and and here I am about to get into my, I'm 24 years old. Here's something that I've learned. <laughs> um, you know, I I was I was very much the same way um, when I was your age, and yeah. and you know that comes from a lot of energy, and it comes from a lot of deep rooted energy. Yeah. You know, I can tell that you're very passionate about that. But I, I also want you to to remember, you have to give yourself your flowers now, um, and and actually relish in the victories um, yeah. because you can't stay angry. It's yeah. not sustainable. <laughs> and you will you will you will burn out eventually and and you know i did as well um and and so many people who had the same passion you know did as well because you are you are working fantastically hard and as i said you know not everything is going to be perfect yeah. um and 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 neither are we so yeah understanding that hey look you, you you're doing a fantastic job i understand that you know we all think about the what's next yeah um but give yourself your flowers now pat yourself on your back you know you know that some things are incredible jobs without having the 100 percent completion yeah yeah i think for me the flowers are my family members and the whole organization that i've been working with you know when i when i turn up to work really fired up and quite angry with what's been on the news um the night before everyone goes like okay we need to calm down first you know so they're one like um my my um bosses you know Farida and Sheila they've always they's they've always looked after me and even the Dunedin office like if I turn up and I'm I'm hyped up about something they'll sit down they'll debrief with me and then we'll work after a space when I know it's assertive enough to work um without letting you letting your um extreme or passionate feelings get into the way of you delivering your work professionally um same with family you know um while i don't celebrate myself as much i think my mom and dad have been super proud um and they make sure that they support me you know every now and then when i go back i can see my dad so happy he'll take me to places that I wouldn't even know about just because he knows that I need that time off. Um, my mom, on the other hand, will make sure that there's food on the table, the food that I like. Um, and it's their way of celebrating. And, and I do feel celebrated, you know, and I do um, take the flowers off um, in my own ways, but it's never been about sitting down and, you know, having a chat with myself and saying that, oh, I have achieved this must. For me, it's it's got to be what's next kind of a thing. And I think that has... Um, that has prevented me from burning out actually is because um, I'm someone who also deals with um, imposter syndrome or have for a while in my life. And what that does is when at times when I look at my achievements, I don't necessarily go like, oh, um, 
that's that's great. It's more of like, do I deserve this kind of invitation? So when I'm in that mindset of what's next, I don't necessarily need to think about whether I deserve it or not. It's just there and it's helped me to get to some point in my life or has um, made me build a connection and I just work on that instead. So yeah, I know it's weird, huh? My brain works a little bit weird. But yeah, that's that's me. Um, what kind of person do you want to be, Kai? Um, I I want to be yeah. I just want to I just want to be that you know that that confident person, that person that is um, yeah, continuously continuously working. You know, I I, I yeah. want to have as I said things to my name, um, and I want my name to mean something. Yeah. Um, you know, in in wider spaces that I that I can't occupy physically. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's uh, you know I like to keep it vague. I like to keep it real nice and vague. I don't want to set myself up for expectations because yeah. you know I don't want to set myself up to fail at all. But um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you deal with failure, Kai? How do I deal with failure? Yeah. Ooh, great question. Um, you gotta you, you gotta take the L. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever heard that. You gotta sometimes you just gotta take the loss. Um. Yeah. And, and you got to sit back and, and let the world move. Yeah. Um, so I go from a smaller picture to a bigger picture. You can't immediately learn from what's went wrong because you'll never know immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you, you really have to sit down and wait. Um, so that's, that's the first thing I do. I just take time. Um, and then, you know, maybe a few days later, um, uh, you know, assess what I could have done better. And then I, I assess what environment that was or you maybe some external factors into what went wrong um you know let's say that you didn't get a you didn't get a job um and you you applied for it you went for the interview um you know you can you can look at okay well how could i better present it myself and then you need to look at okay well what were they looking for why why did that fail for me Mm-hmm. Um and and understanding that there are other things in this world that are going to affect the decisions, um mm-hmm. and and you have no control over that. Um, but then at the other part, you also have to remember, yeah, the bigger picture. Um, look, man, look, people die every day. Yeah. And failure is is winning in a sense because you learn more than anything. Yeah. You know, I've I've always said that. If you got a hundred percent win rate, you, you don't learn anything. You know, like what's the what's the point? You know, one one thing works, but like, you know, I want to be challenged, um, and so it makes it fun. It makes it it makes it challenging. It makes it worth the while. Um, so that's that's how I think about failure. That's how I that's yeah. how I process it. Yeah, and I think that's quite a healthy mindset that you have there. Similar with me, like when I fail, I'm utterly grateful for the fact that I failed because what that means is that I'll be prepared for the next hundred opportunities that comes my way in a more better um self or guys skill sets um that I may have not been able to show um in the opportunity that I failed. Um so again like I personally love and you know one thing that I always say is that learn to correct your mistake. It's the only way you you can eventually make sure that you don't do them again or don't repeat them again. Um, so, you know, whenever I fail, it's, it's again, part of reflection, that down how things went wrong. Um, and it's, I, I believe it's nothing personal. It's more of like how, how you've been shaped um, to be part of the community and how do you give back in your own capacity. Sometimes when you fail, it doesn't necessarily reflect on um, what you had to give. It's rather that the opportunity wasn't the right fit for you. Um, and sometimes I'm grateful that I failed because it opened my door ultimately to other bigger opportunities. Um, so yeah, that's how I deal with failure. We are just under six minutes. So, um, uh, do, do you have a quote for us or maybe not? A, a, a quote? Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> well, um, we can do the last card and you can just give us advice and we can finish on a positive note up it's to cool you. it's cool i i mean i could i could probably give you both um okay awesome uh you know i have like i have real cheesy quotes that i love um <laughs> and i think the my favorite one is you know if i knew the world was ending tomorrow i would still plant my apple tree um and and that's that's martin luther king and i and i, I love that because yeah, just um just having that direction just keep on going just that perseverance um and 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 also sort of acknowledging that um things are not promised 
whether whether it means that the world isn't actually going to end tomorrow or if tomorrow is never promised you know you have to you have to be ready for both um but i've been really into poetry and hip-hop lately um and so a quote that is sticking it with me is um from navy's reprise um and he he starts off the song by saying minding my business trying to die of old age um and i i like that <laughs> i like because that too. it's it's a it's a nice pace for everything and i think yeah. that's the advice that i'll leave you with is you have time um yeah. you you have so much time don't please please don't feel rushed please don't feel as if your expectations um are are garnered on time yeah. um and just just understand that yeah we're we're all young um and and it, look, even if you're like what thirty five, forty, listening to this, you you know you still have so much time, yeah. um. And so yeah, don't feel rushed. I keep breathing, keep it moving forward. Mm-hmm. Practice your breathing, practice your spiritualness, um. But also stay ready. Stay ready for it all. Stay ready for anything, um. Yeah. And yeah, that's that is my advice. I'll leave you with that. Oh, that's so nice. I think it's something that I can also take personally. It's just not for our listeners. It's for something. For me, there's something to reflect on as well. Um, you know, my whole philosophy while I am in a run to, I don't know, to do something in the world to make a good change. I think one thing I always told myself is that to um, hope for the hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. Um, because at times in the sector that I work with is that, you know, you get called out for things that you wouldn't be aware of. But at the end of the day, it's about um, being prepared for it um, while not letting that mentality of, and preparing for the worst, get the best out of you, um, and hoping for the best is quite important in that sense. So again, um, you know, hoping for the best but preparing for the worst has been my basic philosophy to go wherever um, I've been to. Um, but yeah, that I think sums up our episodes today. Do you have anything last to say um, just before we wrap up today's episode? Um, hey, look, I'm proud of you. <laughs> Thank I'm you. proud of you. you, you you've, you've handled this well. Um, and and you've done well in the last few years. I can't wait to see what you get up to. Oh, thank you so much, Kai. And I can see and I can say exactly the same for you. Um, I'm super proud of you. And you know, um, you've been a mentor in my life. Um, while we don't really interact, but you've always been in that figure for me personally. And and it's amazing to see you grow. And I think it just keeps me motivated to go more. Um, go hundies, I guess. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you for um being that support person, for being that role model for me, I guess. Um, um and I really enjoyed our talk today. Thank you so much. Um and that sums up our episode for here I say another segment with myself. Um I hope you um you've enjoyed our Korero again our gentle reminder that whatever we talk about our own personal opinions um please don't reflect it as a collective view of a community or a society um other than that i hope you're all keeping well stay safe and catch you till next time bye you were listening to hear us say with renisha at otago access radio at 105.4 fm dunedin This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.